I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the Psalms tonight. We're in Psalm 51, please. I want us to look at a passage here, but I want to read some verses that relates to this passage. You may want to turn. There's another psalm, Psalm 34. I want to read one verse there, and then we'll go to Isaiah. I want to read two verses. One of them is in Isaiah 57, and the other is in Isaiah 66, if you want to turn with us. Let's read the Isaiah passages first. Isaiah 57, Isaiah 66. One verse in each of these passages, and then we'll go to our text scripture. Isaiah number 57 and verse 15 is such an insightful verse. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity whose name is Holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Now just think about what God's word is saying to us. Our pastor has in both services, he has brought into focus revival in his comments, and especially revival in a personal sense. He's asked us a question, and it's rather been an admonition to us, a challenge to us to attempt to have a personal revival here in this text. God's Word brings into focus who He is and where He's at, but notice that little expression, with him also. Having looked in the heights of his dwelling, but with him also. That has a particular type of spirit. Heart and spirit used here rather <coughs> interchangeably. And uh, in particular, look at that one word, contrite. That's not a word that we use in our vocabularies now. But uh, the dictionary tells us to, to be contrite is to be deeply affected with grief and sorrow over our wrongdoing. When we have done wrong, we're not just, you know, casual about it. A person that's going to have a personal revival when God points out that he's wrong in some area... Oh, he, he's deeply affected with grief and sorrow. That's not very popular, but it's the path to personal revival. Not only Isaiah 57, look at Isaiah 66. And well, let's read the first two verses. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? Where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But in contrast to what he's talking about in the context just prior to this too, 
But to this man will I look. God said, I'm going to give this particular person some special attention. Even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. Under this insightful statement here, God says the person that's going to get some special attention from him The other person back here has his presence with him. Both of them are said to have a contrite spirit. In in the book of Psalms tonight, Psalm 34, and verse 18, The Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Spirit. Psalm number 51 and uh, verse number 17 is the verse that we're focusing on at this time. He says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Now this verse is a summary verse. David has given us an account of his personal revival. And all that he has to say here, in a sense, is summarized in this one statement. Sacrifices of God, this man after God's own heart is telling us, are broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart. Oh God... Thou will not despise. Would you stand with me? Let's read a few verses connected to this verse. If you'll stand, please, as we change our position here for a moment. And uh, I'm going to call our attention to a number of, of these verses tonight, staying with our context of the text here. But at this time, I want you to look with me, please, at verses 10. 11, 12, and then we'll read again verse 17. Keep in mind, this is David coming back to God, getting right with God. God had this put down, recorded his experience. It's almost, I thought about this afternoon, like reading David's diary. He says to God, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God. Thou wilt not despise. Thank you, and you may be seated. I want to talk to us a little while tonight about what the pastors admonished us to look to God for in these days, and that's for a personal revival. I want to speak on the subject tonight, the secret of a personal revival. 
I don't mean secret in the sense that I'm suggesting it's hid and difficult to find. But I'm using the word secret in the sense of it being the key. It's that which unlocks the, this experience to us. The key to a personal revival is brokenness. The secret of personal revival is brokenness. I was asked by a family member of a person that, well, I, I suppose he's been one of my closest preacher friends for a number of years. Thought about it this afternoon. We were together in a conference. This is what I'm going to tell you. goes back for a few years, probably five, six years. I'd have to give some thought to it. But I was in a Bible conference, shared the platform with him in, in, in recent months. Well, it was last fall. And uh, he's pastor of church now, and, uh, and I've preached for him. Uh, preached for him even after we were in that conference speaking together. Uh, probably, uh, as I said a moment ago, one of the, one of the closest preacher friends. I, I had the privilege of going in his home. He introduced me in his church a while back, and, and, and he said, Brother Hurt led me, my wife and I both, to the Lord. I said this morning, I've been in the ministry 41 years. I thought about it. It's, it's 42 years. He said, Brother Hurt led me to the Lord 40 years ago. God called him to preach. In some ways, uh, how can I say this? He, he has one of the Sweetest touches of God on him is any person I've listened to in all of my ministry. Well, I don't mean he's an orator and, you know, and have all of that ability, and, but just the hand of God on him. I've never ever heard him speak and, and open the Word of God that God just didn't captivate me and speak to me. I mean, he just got that kind of walk with God. He changed location some few years back, and I don't want to go into any detail. And because of some circumstances that really impacted him negatively, he got out of touch and tune with God. One of his loved ones, someone very close to him, said, Brother Hurt, would you, and named him, would you, would you mind going by to see him? I don't know what kind of a response you'll get. They went ahead, and them being close enough to him, they, I knew they wasn't putting him down when they were just being open with me, and they said, he's, he's bitter. He's hard. I hadn't seen him in a long time. This is going back now a few years, because I've preached in his church for the last three years. And uh, without going into a lot of detail, I want to bring something into focus here about a personal revival. I went to see him. And indeed, I, I encountered a man with a lot of bitterness. He was rather short and abrupt with me, and, and uh, I, I could sense that he's real uncomfortable. And I wasn't being pushy, and I wasn't there and being preachy. I, I, I just said to him, I, and called him by name, and I said, you know, I just, I just want to be of help. I want to be a brother. 
And uh, he began to open a little, and without going into a lot of detail, he, the Lord brought me to the scripture I'm preaching on tonight. And he said, Brother Hurts, you don't know all that's happened. And I, I said to him, I tried to just sort of engage him to get him uh, thinking about what it was like back. Uh, I was his preacher for years. I recommend him to a place. And he's preached for me even when I was pastoring. I'd let him, I'd let him come to the Sunday evening services and take the service. I mean, he, he had the hand of God on him. And, and, and what insight he could get in the Scripture. I mean, the Spirit of God was his teacher. And just as I said, just precious anointing Hannah got on him. But he said to me, and he got, got emotional about it when he really began to talk about it. And he'd been, is the word he used, he'd been violated, to be honest with you. He'd been wrong. Been uh, greatly offended. And yet, instead of him turning that over to God, he... He took it in his own hands and got in trouble with God and the bitterness. And, and then after he got out of touch with God, it, uh, you know, it just, I mean, he just got in deeper. He wasn't off in immorality or anything like that. Just, you know, he, he just said to him, he said, Brother Hurt, I, I prefer not. He said, I don't want to drag you into it. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. But he said, uh, I'll just sum it up by saying this. He said, I, I am wrong. I will admit that I am wrong in my spirit. And he said, you was even mentioning about maybe it could be like that again. I was telling him about those days. And he said, I doubt it. You don't know how wrong. You don't know, as he was saying, you don't know what's really going on within me. He was talking about his bitterness, his anger, his resentment. And when he said that, my spirit's wrong. I said to him, well, let me tell you about a person that acknowledged and confessed that he had a wrong spirit and he came to God and said to restore unto me a right spirit. David and Esther saying, Lord, my problem is a spiritual problem. It's inside of me. My spirit's wrong, God. Well, if you need to ask God for a right spirit, it's obvious your spirit is wrong. And, and we went to the Scripture. I guess the reason I've drawn to it this afternoon just thinking about it is that if I could say it without being boastful, how the presence and the power of God just came in that room, broke his heart again. You can't believe how God's using him. I said, he, he, as I thought about it, he's coming up on his third year. Took a little church. You're talking about in the country, way in the country. They just had preaching once a month. I mean, there's one preacher had four churches and and, and, and so the other days, they just have Sunday school. No evening services. He went over and preached for them. power of God fell in there. He said, man, these days that we don't have a preacher? And he said, yeah, if you want me to. It wasn't long. They said, the other preacher said, he's too busy. Would you just come preach all the Sundays? I was with them. They had about 10, 12 people when I went there. And I'm talk you're talking about in the country. It's country. I mean... The closest town, he calls it the big town. It's a number of miles. There's only about 3,000 people there. So he's way out in the country. I was up there preaching for him in the fall. His church comfortably was seat just a little over 100. They had 150-some people in there two nights in a row. Called me the other day and said, Brother Hood, have 150 on Sunday morning. People's getting saved all the time. 
put new pews in that place. They put bathroom facilities in it. They put new lights in it. They put new carpet in it. And he said to me, and we paid for it as we, as we bought it, brother. He said, I didn't know these folks had so much money out here. I went on visitation with him. Oh, is he broken? Weeps over souls. He said, now I'm going to take you to the fellow out here. He said, he's, he's a hard case, Brother Hurt. I said, save him the next preacher comes by. Amen. We went out there and bless his heart, he started introducing me and telling about how I came to his home one night. He said, uh, he said to him, you knew my family. He said, he's in the area where he was raised, man. He said, I was mean as the devil. My wife had went to Westside Baptist Church where Brother Hurt would, that was the pastor and she'd gotten saved and then asked him to come into the home and said, I told her, if he comes over here, I'm going to run him off. But he said, he came and I got saved. And he's just telling this fella, and he's an older man, and I'm putting that older business way out there now, amen, but he's an older, older man than I am. And this dear pastor got so broken, just said to him, he said, more than anything I can think of, I want to see you get saved. I don't want you to go to hell. And that man started weeping. And he said, don't know a lot about it, but said, would you pray with me? I, I, I want to get saved too. And he called and told me two weeks after the meeting with him, said, I, I baptized him. I'm talking about he's an older man. And said, Brother Hurt, he's just bringing family members out of those mountains over here at the church. But he goes back to that. That day, and I said to him, look, look at these verses we read. There's a key word here, and it's the word spirit. It's used in verse 10, it's used in verse 11, it's used in verse 12, and it's used in verse 17. And David is asking God to give him a right spirit. So his spirit's wrong. You go back and read the, read the background of the Scripture. Oh, David's spirit was one of utter selfishness. And utter laziness. David was so self-centered. He's King David. He's doing his own thing. When he ought to have been out in battle, he's loafing at home. Well, I'm not putting him down. He's my hero of the Bible. But David got in trouble and he got in deep trouble and he's writing this psalm when he came back to God. So David had a spiritual problem. Oh, he committed, he committed sexual immorality, but David had a problem in his spirit that led him to do that. He wasn't right with God in his spirit. He's saying, create in me a clean heart. Oh, God, renew a right spirit within me. Lord, cast me not out of your presence. He probably has his predecessor in mind when he, he knew that Saul lost the presence of God. Take not thy Holy Spirit. Had a man say to me not long ago, brother, hurt you off base. That's not for us tonight. Well, he said, the Holy Spirit don't indwell us. Well, I believe, I, I granted that. I know he didn't indwell them then. But David's not talking about indwelling of the Spirit here. David's talking about the helpful presence of the Spirit. And he noticed that Saul lost the presence of God. And he said, oh God, don't let that happen to me. Uphold me with your free spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit there. That's a volunteer spirit. I mean, that's a, that's a willing spirit's the word. David is saying, Lord, I've lost my desire. Uphold me again. And then he says... That what you're looking for is a broken spirit. Now listen, the, as I said a moment ago, now brokenness is something we don't value. 
God puts a high value on brokenness, but we don't. We throw broken things away. You can't, you can't sell anything broken in a garage sale. Nobody wants it. But God uses broken things. He doesn't use, he doesn't use us till we're broken. And here's David being aware that that which God does not despise, that is, he does not discount, he puts a premium on it, is a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God. Now if brokenness tonight is the secret of personal revival, and I believe it is, and I don't believe we'll have it without it. Brokenness, according to this scripture, in me is the product of the Holy Spirit. See, it's obvious when my spirit, my wrong spirit, is made right. That's an evidence that God's Holy Spirit is bringing about what this text calls brokenness. See, David had been involved in cover-up. Brokenness means openness. It's just the opposite of covering up. And brokenness is confession. Brokenness, there's synonyms in the Bible that, that's, that's used with brokenness. It's the word contrite, it's the word humble or humility, and it's the word poor. And they all come from a root word, and oftentimes they're used interchangeably. And the opposite of that is when I'm haughty and arrogant and self-centered and involved in cover-up and, and pretense and, and never come clean and never confess. And God says, all right, you, I won't... You, you won't be dwelling with me. I won't be giving you any special attention. You're not going to be experiencing any deliverance. All of that is connected with a person that has a contrite spirit. Contriteness and brokenness is used, let me repeat, interchangeably. To be contrite means I'm deeply affected with grief and sorrow over my wrongdoing. That dear man, when he fell on his knees in that room, when we looked and I said, notice David here. And, and uh, I looked at uh, the result of it first, and I said, wouldn't that be wonderful that then you can teach transgressors their ways? Sinners will get converted again. I said, wouldn't you like to be involved in that? Wouldn't you like to be in the midst of something we used to know years ago when every week somebody got saved? Oh, he said, Brother Hurt, I, I just look at that. I said, it can't happen. But how did David get there? I said, he, he, he is honest about his spiritual problems. He said, my spirit's wrong, God. Did you write my spirit? Now, we may have a wrong spirit tonight. It may not be, it may not be wrong in, in, in the same way that David's spirit was wrong and we have committed the errors that he committed, but are we listening tonight? Are we serious about what the pastor asked us to ask God for? I sat there and I took it seriously. I said, Lord, that was my prayer before I got here. That's been my prayer since I got here. Oh, God. Revival. Someone said, what is revival? I, I like what a preacher whom I looked up to as a revivalist. I was in a meeting when they asked him, said, Doctor, what, what is revival? It, surely it's more in a series of meetings. And he said, oh, of course. He said, a series of meetings. That's not the biblical definition of revival. He said, revival is a person, place, or a community saturated with the presence of God. I like that. Old-timers said they called it spiritual awakening. 
things of God. You're awakening to the things of God. God's not distant to you anymore. This Bible's not a closed book to you anymore. When you pray, you're not praying at God somewhere. You're conscious. You're speaking with Him. There is a spiritual awakening. All of a sudden, you've been awakened to spiritual reality. That's revival. Revival, old-timers would call it divine intervention when God comes on the scene. And here's David saying, Oh God, I've got a spiritual problem. Lord, my, my spirit's wrong. Would you, would you renew a right spirit within me? Oh God, I need the help of the Holy Spirit. Don't take him away from me. I want to be able to have this willing free spirit again, God. And I'm aware of what you're looking for, Lord. I could, I could bring you a lot of sacrifices. You're not interested in ritual. You're looking within my heart. You're looking for a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh, God. Now, let me just say three simple things about David's personal revival and sort of look at it. And I, I, I've tried to place my own heart here. And I want to just, uh, just put it like this. I want us, first of all, to look at the person who can experience this, the person who... Well, let's put it this way. The person who needs personal revival, I think he makes it clear. I want to say a word about the product. I'm talking, when I say the person, I'm talking about the evidences of, of a need for revival. What are they? There's at least three here that stands out to me. I'm talking about the effects when I call, call it the product, the result. What happens? What's the characteristics of a person? How would, how would a person... Uh, be identified if he's had some personal revival. David gives us a clear indication here. I don't know the person who needs it and who can have it here, but the product of it, the evidence for the need and the effects of it, but then I want us to just say a word about what I'm calling the pride of this personal revival, the expense of it, the cost of it. Now, I'm not, I, I've spent time purposely, I meant to, to share with you that personal word that I have given you about my friend that God uh, brought him back and brought him back probably in a way. He, he spoke a while back in a service that some of my brothers who had known him well when we were all together in the church, and my brother said, uh, he's always been a blessing. He's always had the hand and the power of God on his way, my brother expressed it. But he said to me, he said, I don't think I've ever in my time of hearing him through the years have ever seen the hand of God on him like it's resting on him now. And uh, he said, when he gives his testimony, he had a personal revival. He says, God, let me come back to it. Maybe there's those of us in this room tonight need a revival personal revival. I mentioned the evidences for it, the evidences of a person that needs a personal revival. Let me just give you three words, and I, I'm not going to even try to develop them because I want to preach a little bit on the last one, but in, in my understanding here, verses 1 down through 12, David brings into focus, and, and, and he says, here's some evidences, and, and, and I, I've jotted down a word here, and, and, and I can identify when, when, when maybe there's three things I've lost in my life. And the first thing he talks about is purity, moral purity. I'm talking about virtue. 
And there's 13 personal pronouns that David uses in confessing his sin in five verses. David had lost his sense of virtue. Am I speaking to someone tonight that you'd say, yes, I, I can recall that I took being right with God and living a holy life more seriously than I do tonight. I used to be a little more sensitive. Things would bother me a little more than they do now. People that needs revival, oh, they'll, they'll watch things. They'll, they'll, watch a, uh, they'll watch a movie that they wouldn't have thought about watching before when they're walking with God. They'll listen to stuff. They'll go to places. They'll engage in conversation that they wouldn't have thought about doing when they was walking in the awareness of a holy God. And when David, in these verses, David is saying, you know, I've lost my purity, moral purity, virtue I'm talking about. And David did some, some horrible things. And now he's coming before God. And, and I repeat, he doesn't blame Bathsheba, doesn't blame Uriah, doesn't blame his circumstances. He, he just become, he comes clean before God. He said, it's me, it's mine. Lord, wash me, cleanse me. He uses all the words in the dictionary for sin, transgression, sin, iniquity. David's not covering up anything anymore. Not only when there is a sense of loss in the, in the sense of lost purity, virtue I'm talking about, but uh, when there's a lost sense of integrity. I'm talking about veracity. I'm talking about truthfulness. Look at verse 6. Behold, thou desirest truth. Oh, you see, especially when we need revival, it's difficult for us to be truthful even about our need. We alibi, we excuse, we blame people. Remember, I was looking at that, that brother, he said, that's what broke his heart. He said, I, I, I've been putting the blame on everybody. When I pointed out that David had lost his sense of, uh, of integrity, veracity, I mean, he, the honesty it was difficult for him to call it by its right name. And he just broke and started crying. He said, God is sending a word to me. Oh, listen tonight. I'm taking a little inventory, as I said. When this is a sense of lost purity, moral purity, virtue, lost sense of integrity, veracity, I, I have difficulty even speaking truth. I may shade it sometime and have truth so-called. Then there's another sense of lost that will indicate we need revival. Not only a sense of our purity, our virtue, our integrity, and that is our veracity, but a lost sense of energy. I'm talking about vitality. I'm talking about our strength. David, about verse 8 on down through there. David, now he's speaking poetically here, but David said, the bones which you broke. It's like I got broken legs, Lord. Like my arms is broke. It's difficult for me to, me to get involved anymore. Store to me the joy. Joy is the strength. It is our strength. That word free spirit means a volunteer spirit. David said, oh God, it's difficult for me to get involved and volunteer myself anymore. Well, I've known people when the doors were open, boy, they as eager. They'd be there every service. Something that, you, that they need to be involved in. You didn't have to preach a sermon to them if they're walking in revival. I mean, they're just eagerly involved serving God with vitality and energy. But oh, if we lose personal revival, it's a chore sometimes just to be faithful at church. 
Things we used to rejoice about and things we used to shout about. If we lose our sense of vitality, we'll complain over it now. The person who needs revival is that person that has that sense of loss, at least in those three areas. I've mentioned not only the person who needs it here, but the product of it. We've talked about the evidences for revival. What are the effects of it? Talking about the characteristics of a person that's experiencing personal revival. Well, I don't want to go in detail. I just mentioned it because I've already covered some of this. But look at verse 13. The first thing, I mean, right out of the bat, right out of the door he gets involved in. Look what he says, then. And a Bible teacher over 40 years ago say in my presence, if you run up on the word then, you ought not go any further till you ask yourself the question, When? When will this happen? If I'm writing you a note and I say, then you can expect this, you're going to have to see what I said prior to that. It points to something. And David says, then. It's after David. Those evidences for his personal revival has been dealt with and and, and the joy of the Lord's come back in him. He's being upheld with that free spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit there. That's his spirit. Willing spirit is the word. Volunteer spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted. The first thing that identifies a person, the product, that's person that's experiencing personal revival, I use just one word. It's the word evangelism. And the second word, it's in verses 14 and 15. Look what he's saying. He said, Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Not only the product of revival, the effects of it is evangelism, but there's exuberance, enthusiasm. Oh, he, he says, Lord, you do this. My mouth will be open in praise again. I'll sing aloud, Lord. I, I won't be embarrassed to do that. There will be exuberance about me again. Lord, I'll do that with enthusiasm if you'll let me have your presence. You know the world, listen, don't let me throw you a curve. You know the world's about sick of the church's deadness? Really? We go around them long-faced and down and discouraged. The so, oh, they, they might be rude enough to just tell us that, but after we're gone, they'll say, oh God, I've got enough problems. Not that! You know what brought me to the Lord? A man at army base with exuberance, if you please. Joy of the Lord. He was a man among men. I mean, he'd been yonder where he led men in dangerous, vulnerable places. And he stood head and shoulders, figuratively speaking, and he was a big man also. But all of us looked up to him, and there was something about him that really got my attention out at that army base. You know what it was I discovered? His commitment to Jesus Christ and unashamed to let people know about it. He wasn't arrogant, he wasn't brazen, he wasn't, but he was bold. And really what got to me, he always had a song. Like myself, he didn't have a lot of equipment to sing it with, but he had a song. And he's full of joy. Oh, he's always positive. I mean, I mean, today's a good day, but tomorrow's gonna be a better day. Here I was dragging around, <laughs> and it was 
his exuberance, his rejoicing, his enthusiasm that really got my attention. And it was a means of light in my darkness. But you see, David is saying after he gets back to God, oh, David said, Lord, sinners will get converted. Think about that now. Here, way back here in the Old Testament, he said, he said, uh, uh, transgressors, I'm going to teach them your ways. And in doing that, Lord, he said, these sinners will be converted to thee. See, that's, that's the result. That's, the, that's what I'm calling tonight the product, the effects of, of a personal revival, the consequences of it, a result, if you want to use that word. It's evangelism, and then it's exuberance or enthusiasm in his rejoicing and praising God. I was thinking this afternoon, pardon me for being so personal tonight, God's been good, this unworthy preacher. I had the privilege of a pastor in a church that, oh, it was on a small scale, I'm sure, but... We saw God pay us a visitation in revival. We saw a church that had been split all to pieces, put two little churches together. Some of you have heard me talk about and had less than 50 people with both of them and trying to redeem that property and that, that, the name of the Lord in that community. And God broke some hearts. Wasn't many to start with, but there's a few people. Got in on personal revival. That dear brother I was talking about, he was one of them that really paid a price there. And I mean, just band together and said, Lord, we're going to stay with you till it happens. No, when it starts happening, I can't tell you that 50 ran to 100, 200, 300, 400, 500. We had to build the building. Filled it up in a hurry. A thousand people was coming and crowding into those facilities on a Sunday. Five years later when I left those people and every week, I'm not tooting Wilbur Hurt's horn. I'm just telling you, God did something around there. Oh, our people got involved in evangelism. Everywhere they went, they'd talk about the Lord. They'd weep over people on the jobs in their community because they're having personal revival. And there was exuberance. I mean, they was, they was full of joy and rejoicing. And, and, and that was their strength. And, and that was highly contagious. God used that church for His glory. I remember a person got saved. He's two doors from me. He worked with one of my brothers, a younger brother of mine. And we were talking about a couple of brothers, Pastor and I, day at lunch, but not either one of them. This is a younger brother that he, he was my bus captain there, or he's my bus pastor. And... Uh, he, he, worked, he worked at one of General Motors' plants, and he said to me, he said, I want you to pray. He gave me his name, and he said, I'm trying to work on him. And he said, Clarence is, he said, how can I say it? He said, Clarence tough. <laughs> I said, tough? I said, well, he's not too tough for God. He said, I know that. But said, he's not only tough, he's mean. <laughs> and he said, he really needs God. He said, boy, it'd be a trophy of God's grace if God saved him. And we'd have a special day. We had a roundup day. And everybody would try to bring someone, and we'd have a push to get a crowd there and just preach to them. And he said, I'm praying. Pray with me. And he lived just, he lived my community. He just lived down the street from me. Well, I, I made a point to speak to him, and I said, hey, Bob, Bob's really interested wanting you to come to church. He, he's got you counted. He said, really? I said, yeah. He done put you down, counted you to be his guest. And he thought, he said, I'll be there. And he was. And God got old Clarence. <laughs> I mean, God saved him. 
I mean, as my one of my brothers says, put your brother, he said, God really saved him. Now, if you really get saved, you're saved. Amen. <laughs> and uh, oh, he'd talk about the Lord like you wouldn't believe. Out there where we live, he used to kind of be in the country a little bit, and there's a shopping center had been built around us. And Clarence, he, he'd call me. He, he calls me preacher. Hey, preacher. <laughs> he said, What are you doing? I said, Well, I'm back there to study a little. I'm preaching tonight. I was at a meeting. And he said, uh, can you run over here to the drugstore? I said, the drugstore? Yeah. I said, what do you need me over for? He said, the pharmacist back here. He, I got him under conviction, but I can't pull a rope on him, and I need your help. Come over here right quick. <laughs> Had the pharmacist back there. Man, old Clarence, wild-eyed back there. And, you know, I, said, I said, are you sure? Oh, he said, hurry up now. I told him I'm going to call you. And said he, he said, well, all right. <laughs> Say, so you got some questions I can't answer. So I told him, my preacher can answer them. <laughs> I went over there, and I tell you, God had used him. And, uh, you know, somebody asked him, said, is he a theologian? Theologian. <laughs> Clarence hadn't been saved long. But, oh, God was on him. And this one told me that after talking to him, he told me, you know, he said, well, I, I'm a Christian. He said, I told I told, uh, called him his last name. He said, I, I told him I'm probably a nominal Christian. He said, that's not good enough. <laughs> and so, uh, and I don't know that he had a relationship, but he said this to me, and I said, this is my point. He said, I've never, he said, he comes in here. He said, I, I feel his prescriptions for him. He said, I've never seen a more genuine person in my life. And he said, uh, and he's been in knowing the Lord probably a year at that time. He said, I knew him before. And he said, something has really happened to him. Well, I don't know whether he ever got the pharmacist saying, because I left there a little while after that and left that church, and I haven't been in touch with Clarence on a, on a regular basis. But what's David saying is the result. David says, after talking about his need for it, a person that can have it, and the product of it, uh, what will happen I'm not going to go into detail because I spent my time earlier talking about it, but what's the price? What's the cost, I guess I'm saying? How expensive is revival? I've talked about the evidences for it, the effects of it. Then the expense here of revival, it's expensive, it's costly. And I think the topic to my sermon probably already brings it into focus, but let me use two words. Number one, there must be in my life contriteness. I'm using that word now. Contriteness over my sin. I must be contrite. That's another word for brokenness. I must be broken over my sin. And not only that, there must be in my life not only contriteness over my sin, but there must be commitment to His sovereignty. Look what David begins to say to God. Do good in thy good pleasure, undesigned. He's yielding, committing to the lordship of, of our Lord, His sovereignty. Lord, you, you do good in your own good pleasure. I commit to you, Lord. He says, then, then shalt thou be pleased. David is just yielding to the good pleasure of our God. And it takes that to have personal revival. You see, I can't run my own life and do my own thing and my spirit be wrong and be self-centered 
I have to permit God by His Holy Spirit to break my wrong spirit and keep me in a, in a spirit of openness and humility and brokenness and, and keep Him in the position of lordship in my life. His sovereignty, if you please. Just saying to Him, You be Lord. And as I said a moment ago, brokenness is not popular. And this culture that, that we're in now, this feel-good culture, where that oftentimes that even in churches, they're afraid somebody, somebody you know's feelings might get a little hurt. And, and yet, if I understand the Bible correctly, don't let, don't let me throw you a curve, because I've been missed here. I've heard people say rejoicing is the route to revival. I don't agree with that. Rejoicing is the result of revival. Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice? Real revival brings rejoicing. So trying to get people to feel good and just rejoice and carry on in a carnal way, that's not the route to revival. Repentance is the route to revival. And that's what brokenness is. And it's costly. And it costs me my ego and even my life at times and, and just put myself down and say, oh God. You be Lord. And when He's our Lord, in reality, you know what will happen? He'll fill our hearts with joy, so full that our mouths will begin to express the praise and to the glory of God. Would you stand with me? All over the room, we're standing with a moment of quietness. I've just come with my heart tonight. The Lord's here. Wonderful sense of reality of His presence. I've already said to you, I've been talking to Wilbur Hurt tonight. I talked to him this afternoon. I never preached this text. I only put these words down this afternoon. All oh, this sections here I've been through, when, like I said in the songs, but I, I just took those verses and went over them and been thinking about some things like that. And after this service this morning, hearing the pastor talk about personal revival, it began to lay hold of my heart. And I've tried to face it in my own heart. And God said, I want you to come talk to my people tonight. Oh, what would happen if there's a group of us in here tonight say, oh God. Lord, I've taken a little inventory. I, I realize in some areas I'm coming up a little short. There's a lot of different things I could have talked about there. But Lord, I sense I need a closer walk, more reality, more exuberance and praise in you, a more burden for souls, see evangelism in our heart telling the story. That's always a result of revival. Can we think of a time we had a greater burden for someone getting saved and keep them out of hell as I preached this morning? Can we think of a time when we was more concerned about that? Well, if we can, in that sense, we need, we need revival tonight. You don't just come talk to God. There's a number here. I'm going to join them. Don't miss God tonight, our Father. This first evening of these evening services, Lord, would you just sort of lay hold of us? You're in this room, Lord, and I appreciate it. Lord, you was gracious in this room this morning, and you so blessed us through the music again tonight, you did. Would you now, don't let the enemy snatch the seed away from us. Cause it to take root within us. And Lord, may we just really take inventory and realize there was a time that is maybe more real in some of these areas than it is tonight. Lord, help us not to alibi or excuse. Lord, there may be some areas our spirit's been wrong and we need that spirit righted. And a broken spirit brings into focus that right spirit you're looking for. And I pray you'll help me, Lord. 
Make it easy for us to say yes to you tonight. Cause every person you're speaking to to say yes right now. Grant it, Jesus, for your own sake. Amen. The pastor's coming. Don't miss God tonight. While we wait a moment, you can come.